Hey everyone, welcome to the Worship Artistry Podcast. My name is Jason Houtsma and with me is Christina Kasanka. You know, you probably don't know this, but that's literally how she talks most of the time. I, yeah, <laughs> that I do. There's a lot of singing. There's a lot of different accents. Yes. There's a lot of different things. But um, Jason has threatened to just pull out a camera and try to start filming me. <laughs> and it, it never works. It sounds weird when you say it like that. <laughs> like, sometimes I try and catch her singing because I think that would be funny. I don't just randomly start trying to film you. Good clarification. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. But, uh, well, Christina, how, are, you, are you feeling sick right now? I am not. I do not. Because I thought maybe after we posted that viral video, you might well, be feeling a little bit ill. I mean, I would be feeling... I mean, I feel kind of fantastic. Not that I did anything except post this video. That's true. The, the video in question is uh, a funny idea that we had over six months ago. Oh, it was like a year. It's, it's I mean, been a long time. We've been sitting on this footage for a really long time. Yeah, well, it, you know, the thing is, it's like when you're starting out something and you're like, I've got an idea and I, I want to execute it this way. And especially when it's, when it's comedy. Mm-hmm. Timing is so important and getting everything just right, like telling the story in as few shots. Like it was a real learning experience. And so we had this idea that we were like, we're going to kind of do an office style, like following a, a sound engineer through a Sunday morning. And, uh, and it's fun. And, you know, and we posted it. We're like, I was like, I think this is funny. I showed it to my wife. She didn't think it was funny at all, <laughs> but she's like, she goes, she's like, I mean, I guess like worship people would get this, right? I'm like, no, trust me. This is, and we had, it was one of those things where we posted it. We just put it up on Instagram and it did kind of nothing for a few days. And then all of a sudden it was like, Christina sends me a text and she's like, oh, we got like 300 likes on this, which for us, like we're a pretty small Instagram account. We haven't, we kind of came late to that party, but uh, we threw it up on there. And then, and all of a sudden, like the next day I checked and we had like, thousands yeah and so uh if you don't follow us on instagram at worship artistry you should because we post funny viral videos that we, we made do. and it's not going to be the only one we've got we have quite a few kind of in the works jason's brain is turning let's just <laughs> it's, say it's always turning i knew that it was funny when i initially because we published it on on youtube as well and i before it went live showed my sound guy at church there and i was go. like oh watch this video that that we're going to release and he watched it and he was actually chuckling and laughing. And I was like, okay, this is good. Like if he's laughing at all the things that we're doing, I know that it's good. <laughs> yes. And it's, it is really interesting though, because the comments that came underneath it, right? Yeah. So the idea behind it is really about kind of investing, not just in sound, but in people and that sort of thing. And yeah. it was surprising the amount of people that were like, why would a, pa- why would pastors ever invest in the worship team? Or why mm-hmm. would like kind of these like. So really, sad to see, really honestly. Yeah. yeah. Which really. is like what we talk about often right. is that we're we're all about like you yes, you can have amazing gear, amazing sound, but if your musicians aren't um being taught and invested in, like yeah. and that, con- like confident and having the tools that they yes, need to like yeah. to enjoy it. Yep. Like what's the point? Yes. That's how people burn out. Yep, they do. So uh anyway, so we thought it was kind of a fun idea. And speaking of fun ideas. We have a guest today whose whole thing is ideas. Yes, creativity. Uh, he, yes, Rich Kirkpatrick uh, wrote the book Mind Blown, which is uh, about a number of things about creativity, about stoking creativity. It's about kind of communicating creativity, which is you know something we're not always the best at. And uh, Rich is somebody that I seem to run at, run into. I don't go to a ton of conferences, but he always seems to be at the ones I'm at. 
So, uh, so we run into each other a lot. He's a good guy. He's a thoughtful guy. And so I was like, yeah, man, let's, let's, let's give it a listen. So without further ado, Rich Kirkpatrick. So you've, you've written this book, Mind Blown, Unlock Your Creative Genius by Bridging Science and Magic. And uh, so, I'm, I, yeah, I'm just curious, like what, we can go into the book and everything, but I'm just curious, like, is this what you're, is this mainly what you're doing? Like, what is, what are you doing right now? What am I doing? You're a man of, of many talents. A guy of many hats, at least six of them. Uh, but I, um, so I'm leading worship in my local church now, finally. It's been a few years. Um, but I've uh, been coaching and consulting different church leaders in churches. So when I started teaching worship leaders, um, my six hats of the worship leader, I came up with this other thing about what's the creative process. Because so many people asked me, you know, what is this creative process? And so I, I did a, a workshop eight years ago on it and it was the most um highest response i got from anything so i said okay this there's something to this and so i kept being curious one because of my experience being difficult um just trying to explain what do i do see this is difficult right when you're a creative person what do you actually do well yeah you're working when you're not even thinking you're working everybody is wired to be creative and to create and of course the Christian side of that is my faith tells me we're made in the image of a creator. So I understand what that is, um, image bearer of a creator, and everyone is. Um, but the scientists are saying, well, you know, as we studied the brain and we look at the networks in the brain and we looked at how things work, uh, when people create their best work, these people who are incredible geniuses, what is it that happens in the brain? Well, we're wired to create. There's no other animal on the planet that can do what people do. Hmm. So it, it's like we are created, um, and I could say it on this podcast, other podcasts, you know, try to explain this is what I believe, but yeah. I know you, you probably believe this I, too. I have, to, I have to do the same thing. I always have to go through the like, I, I teach church music. That's how I have to explain the people songs that people yeah. do in church. And then people are like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, we do music in church. <laughs> it's a lot more cooler than people think it is. But anyway, uh, especially when you do it. But um, so the idea is we're all wired to create. And so we're made in this image of a creator. And so why, if we were to learn how to be more creative, we're actually learning how to be more of our truer selves. Mm -hmm. And the things that don't make us our truer, truest selves are the things that stop creativity. So when it comes to leadership, when it comes to all those things, and here's the other thing, 20% of us are divergent thinkers, as, as it's called. And um, what is it? Uh, 80%, of course, the rest of it, are what they call convergent thinkers. So if you're this person who just pops with ideas all the time, your ideation is happening all the time, idea generation just comes easy, you're a minority, so it's hard to fit in. So I wanted to help the 80% of people understand that this is a process, that it's scientific, and that it works, and that if you were to learn how to do it better, you would, you would find uh, more success. And also, if you are a person who is you know, the art, artistic type, type or creative type in that 20%, that you can also learn that 80% of creativity is also the other side too. Mm -hmm. That really, uh, when you put humanity, you know, these two kinds of preferences together, you really see two sides of a coin. And that's why that bridge in the book, the idea of bridging science and magic, those are metaphors, science metaphor for logic and reason and those things. And Magic is a metaphor for kind of things we can't describe all the time, but they just happen. We are in the shower and the idea comes, uh, or, you know, uh, 
are in the bathtub as it was, you know, Eureka, I'm in the bathtub and I find an idea. So those things, there's a bridge between them and three brain networks actually represent those things. And I found out, I said, really? So I also learned that creativity is nothing. I don't invent things from nothing. Mm -hmm. So I'm not bound by creating something because I'm not God um, out of nothing. I can take what's in front of me and make sense of it. And that's kind of the gift that God's given me. Given me. Um, or, you know, to those of you who are worship leaders listening to this, it's like Adam named the animals. We kind of do the same thing when we take um, our music and our experiences together and we make sense of things. Do you, do you have any ideas on how to help us get from where we are at now? And when I say we, I mean kind of the, the church and our culture, you know, as it is now, because I think you're right. Like there is a, go to any, go into any worship group, go into any Facebook thing, you know, whatever. And it's, it's this music all sounds the same. I don't like this. These lyrics are all whatever. I don't believe this one thing. Like it's, it's a whole lot of, it's kind of funny. It's like, we're all supposed to be worship leaders and musicians and all that's happening is just tearing down everything. And there's very little actually building back up. There's very, like, I am, I, cause I'm, I, I'm with you. I, I feel like for myself, you know, I've been doing worship artistry for, you know, 11 years now. And I very much look at it as like a service. It's like, it's like, it's, it's me going, Hey, I don't even care how I feel about this music. What it like, or like, I mean, I care about the, the like we don't, we don't post, there's been a few songs that I'm like, yeah, we're not going to do that one. Um, just because of the lyric content or whatever. Um, but for the most part of what I very much looked at it as like, okay, I'm here to serve. I'm here to help people learn these songs. So they all, I've been in so many different denominations and all over the map and turn everything from charismatic to like Christian reformed. Like I've kind of experienced it all. And I see beauty in all of it and go, Oh, okay. This is for this. And this is for this. And I'm happy to do that. However, there is also, you know, it's been 10 years of, of throwing myself into that. Yeah. And in that process, you know, that this next year, like I've kind of looked at worship artistry and go, we're going to really lean into the artistry. We're going to actually lean into these things that inspire us and give us joy because the church has a tendency to like, oh, to, to focus on the use and leave out the creativity. Oh, like, oh okay. You play oh. guitar. Come over yeah. here and play guitar. Okay, great. No, no, don't just do this, you know, like, and with good reason, because you have to learn how to play in a band. There's things, you know, but when you talk about transcendence to me, I hear, I think of like moments in worship when I am being the most myself, when I am playing in a way mm. that is connected with everybody and also is connected to my heart. And we're all expressing ourselves to God and letting God speak to us in those moments. Um, and that's kind of where that's to me, that's kind of where that magic, where that magic happens. But I was in a worship leader group, one of the biggest ones online. And I remember asking a question, people were saying, you can't watch this particular TV show and still be a Christian. And I said, hey, wait a minute, guys, because, you know, I'm a little older and there's mostly young people talking about their pedal boards, but arguing about that. Now they're arguing about, you know, this. And I said, you know what, let's hold back for a second. Let's argue about the things Jesus argued about. And what he said was widow, orphan, poor, imprisoned person. What are we doing for those persons first? So I say, if we're going to call each other out, I, we have our conscience. Live by your conscience. That's not what I'm saying. Don't do that. But I'm saying there is something that's a higher, that is a basic level that is in black and white. And even Jesus' brother, James, closest to Jesus and relatives said, this is what you're supposed to do, what true religion is. 
they kicked me out of the group. I literally got kicked out of the group for saying, let's not argue about TV. Let's, if we're going to argue, let's argue about how we feed the poor as worship leaders. What songs are we writing that talk about the things that bother Jesus? And so it's simple. It's not a theological argument, but it is. And so but the, the artist part of the worship world that you and I are in has been suppressed because what the artist is, is really the prophet. It's like Nathan going and saying, hey, King David, can I tell you a story about this little lamb? We're not thinking about the offering plate sometimes because we apologize for that. Uh, we're not thinking about angering people. We're not trying to do any of those things. We're trying to create something. And we're trying to be that part of ourselves. That's the child that, that we're made to be that makes things, not just complains about things, not just compares things. And so the idea of worship artistry is a wonderful, beautiful concept because really it, it's easy to complain. It's easy to tear down. It's much harder to create. So let me, let me ask you this, right? So there's kind of different schools of thought around around what to do when we run into those impasses. How do you know, how do you know when to push through disagreement and kind of like work within it versus when it's just time to hey, you know what? Bless you. Bless me. <laughs> we're going to we're going to go do different things. I think the ethic in there is this. It's a family. Um if you view your faith community as a family, as a community, what's best for one is best for all. We, do, we are afraid to say what's healthy, what's best for me in ethical sense, for my, my, my mental well-being, my spiritual well-being, is best for the church. Not maybe what's best for that particular pastor or brand or their offering for that week, maybe. But it doesn't mean it's wrong. What's wrong is when we uh, equate this group, that the group itself somehow suffers um, when one person is is needed to have special attention or to leave or to, to do something different. It says it's not a zero sum. In other words, it shouldn't be a zero sum, but we think of it that way. So I think we should have more freedom to look at it that way. And of course, you know, what's, you know, when I was in ministry, it's always what's best for the church. And so I came second and, but really what I found out was a lot of that was just the preference of the leadership at the time. And they're, they have a right to have a preference. If you're an employee, you have a, they have a right to tell you what to do, and that's perfectly fine. But it's also right for you to say, this job, if I'm an employee, is not right for me. Or if I'm a volunteer, you know, they may want this, and that's great. That's their right. But I don't have to do this if it's something that doesn't help me and my family, if, if they're asking me to do things that, that my marriage is being affected by or my parenting. But I am a person, an image bearer of God. And if I'm not able to be that, how can I lead others to be that? And so I really think there is a, a, this, this upside down thing. It's not about power. If we take the power dynamic out of it and say it's about family, then sometimes a three-year-old in your family's got a lot of power because they have some immediate needs. And you know what? You don't complain. So, what's, so what is your, your personal creative process? Like what is, give me a glimpse of what that looks like for Rich Kirkpatrick. Well. It's probably like a lot of people's. So if I take it into like songwriting, mm -hmm. you start with one thing. Um, let's say I start with an idea, like there's a song around that we imagined. So we started ideation. So from there, where, do we, where can we take this? So we came up with all these different metaphors and 
let it sit for a while and came back, honed it down, um, and started developing the best of those ideas. And so that then you might test it with some friends or have a, a process where it seems like it's in a straight line, set one, two, three, but you kind of go back and forth between one, two, and three, and two, and one, and back to three. There's nothing new under the sun. So my job isn't to create something from nothing. It's to look at what's around me and in me and create something from that. And that's freeing for one, because I, you know, I don't have to come up with something that's never been done before, but I get to come up with it. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you're, you're talking about bringing other people into the process and recognize that, you know, there's kind of that, like, that romanticism around, you know, the solitary artist who lives out in a cabin and just <laughs> makes this masterpiece and comes forward with it. And it's not usually how it works, right? Like there's, there's usually things that we're, we're bringing to the table and something different and having other people kind of uh, help craft and shape those things. And, and in a lot of ways, you're talking about craft, right? Because it's like, a lot of times we get married to these ideas, like, oh, I was inspired to do this and I did it and here it is. And it's like, well, no, the craft is working on it. It's tweaking it. It's actually making it something that other people can use. And I love the, the intention around that. You know, creativity is so powerful, whether it's teaching kids uh, music, um, art, literature, um, you know, kinesthetics, um, you know, sports and things to help them discover who they are. Uh, you're making something. You're not just trying to mimic. You're trying to learn from what another person does. We need to really encourage people to create no matter where they are. And, you know, they're going to mess up. Um, kids start with scribbles. Um, but if we look at what they're scribbling and, and appreciate that, uh, you never know. Uh, we might be looking at Picasso or something um, and not even know it. But most people, most kids think they can draw or sing or dance. and then almost all of them do until we start saying, well, no, you can't. Mm -hmm. And so then they stop singing, they stop drawing, they stop imagining things because then imagination is only that. So 20% of people prefer to be divergent, but I would say because of our society, we've really taken a huge percentage of our population and we've handicapped them. Um, so there's all of studies about education, about what music does for math skills. Uh, what it does for language. Because, you know, if you're creative, you're going to think in pictures. But if you could think in pictures and in sound and in language, your parts of your brain are being stretched and grown. And, they, and our brain does grow even when you're as old as me. It, it's it's going to help people become better at who they're supposed to be. Um, and what's happened is we have mimicry going on where people take the wonderful tools we have, like chat GTP, and they write blog posts, supposedly. And as opposed to thinking like they're capable of doing that. And, um, you know, mimicry is boring us. Um, what we need is not necessarily to take away all the tools, but to learn to use those tools like paintbrushes and practice well, it. So, I, yeah. It unlocks it, right? Yeah. Like I always say, like, tools are supposed to unlock things for us. It's supposed to be like, like, I don't need a guitar. I don't need the craziest pedal board in the world. I can make an amp and a guitar sound good but man if that one thing inspires me to play something different and un unlock something for me yes. well then it yeah. allows me to be more creative now if i start using it as a crutch and then i just settle into that and i never do anything else well then you know well, that's why you don't you play like a lot of guys my age still play phase pedals 
um, oh, which yeah. I, I don't think it's really come back. I'm I, I'm kind of hoping. I bought one in high school yeah. and it just sits in my drawer. Yeah, it's, it's it's something that doesn't come back. But um, but yeah, it, the idea is having more paintbrushes, more color, experimentation, finding out that. And so if you're always curious, you're going to use your tools in a different way uh, than somebody who simply looks to mimic. Um, and so really, it's not about what the tools are, about even your skill level. It's really about your engagement and your curiosity um, to see something and to help make that happen, that whatever that is. And that's something for a lot of your listeners is a worship service where people are going to come and you want them to have a certain experience. You're imagining in your mind. Uh, prayer takes imagination, by the way. This is another reason that I think creative process is important. You can't really pray without imagination. You can't really be formed spiritually without somehow going to that part of your brain that, that, that imagines scenarios that aren't there. You don't need to see what's it called the chosen in order to imagine who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. um, it might help you, but you still should use your imagination and still should do that. So whatever it is that you're, you're, you're using as your inspiration, um, don't stop growing your imagination. That was beautiful. Well, Rich, thank you so much for joining the podcast, man. It's, it's, I, I can talk about creativity forever and, uh, <laughs> I love, I love the way you approach it and, uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Well, he is indeed a mellow dude. <laughs> yes, that he is. He just classifies even, you know, his appearance. If you watched it, you'll see, you know, his like sweet stash. Yeah. And, you expect and, him to have a pipe. Yeah. You know, he's reading just some. Chilling and he's just, you know, talking so peacefully about creativity and is just going so in depth as I was, you know, editing the interview, I was like, wow, this is, this is a lot of information. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, and it's, it's funny cause I don't know. I always think of creative people as mm -hmm. kind of, and maybe it's the creative people I hang out with, but just kind of spastic, mm -hmm. you know, chaotic, a lot of like a lot of ideas all the time, all the things. I'm pointing at Jason. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I think of it, you know? And so when you find somebody who's just like very thoughtful and he's mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, there's, there's all kinds of versions of this. Yep. So, so uh, be sure to read his book. Yep, and he can, talked plenty about it, but be sure to to grab it and read it and or listen to it or listen to or it or listen to it. You can listen to the dulcet tones of Rich Kirkpatrick reading you his book. Yes. Just blowing your mind. And after you read it or before, be sure to go to worshipartistry.com and check us out. We have over 600 song lessons available for you, your team, anyone that is wanting to learn and improve on their skills in playing an instrument and being a musician because that's being a worshipful musician is what it's all about. So be sure to go and do that and we'll see you next time. And follow us at Worship Artistry on Instagram. Yes, please.